Welcome to the Close Knit Podcast, a podcast that aims to hold space for conversation to be had about the ways we use fiber to process life and world events. You're listening to episode 36, and this week I spoke to a couple of people who inspire me so much and who also inspire each other because they're married. These people are Lily Schlosser of Eli and Barry and James Davis of Engaged Weaving. You won't believe it, but I didn't know that the two of them had anything to do with each other. I was separately following each of them and just about died when I found out how they were related. In this open and vulnerable chat, James and Lily talk about how important fiber arts and fiber arts community have been for them in processing their life events and supporting their mental health. James opens up about how his weaving practice has been a vehicle for processing and healing from grief and loss, and Lily discusses her journey with anxiety and how supportive her practice of clothes making has been and how sharing her struggles with anxiety openly has given her a new and fuller way of connecting with her audience. There's so much in this chat, so many ways that Lily and James show up to vulnerability wholeheartedly, and I am incredibly grateful that they were willing to share in this way. Listen on for our whole chat. Thanks for tuning in. Hey, it's Ani of Close Knit, and I'm here with Lily and James. Hi, Lily. Hi, James. Hi, Ani. Hey. Hey. Um, So I want to tell the listeners, because we know our little backstory, but I'd like to tell for the podcast listeners, um, how this all happened. Please do. I've been following Lily for a while, back when you were just blogging as just you, just Lily and your last name that I don't want to mispronounce. Yeah, I rebranded at least once, um, but most recently I was just blogging under lilyschlosser.com. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I was following you just like, oh, dang, this girl's style is so good. Oh, my God. And it's so funny because now I look back and I'm like, whoa, I've just like changed like my style and I guess myself so much. But that that could be another story. <laughs> but thank, thank God for the internet so that we could find each other. And oh. then I'm like, you know, down in the internet world, just Instagramming and you doing what you do. And I was um, following a person called Engaged Weaving. And I was like, oh, how nice. This person is like, uh, presumably male. Like this person is presenting male. They're like, yeah, I changed all- my picture explicitly for that reason. So people would know. I appreciated that. and they had this beautiful aesthetic and then they're messaging me he's messaging me and I'm also messaging Lily because I'm messaging Lily forever and then James says something about this is a topic of conversation in our house Lily in my house and I was like who is this Lily person that this James guy is talking about and then one day the penny finally dropped I was like sitting in my room and I was like Oh my oh. God, they're married. Yeah, and then you posted this awesome story and you were like dancing and I was like, I can't believe that like we elicited we an Ani it. dance. Like I felt like super cool. I was really like good. almost crying. I was so overjoyed. I was like telling everyone that I knew. I was like, oh my God, you guys, today I learned that two uh, two people that I super admire on the internet are married. <laughs> <laughs> and I found you through Lily. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I was like, I think you're really going to like So that's girl. why. Yeah, that's why. Yeah, because James is being, you know, he was had just started actually Instagramming not too long yeah, ago. Yeah, I left the internet after running a blog for like two years in Columbus. And then I was watching how I he was... I left the internet. I, was, I left the internet. I, was, I just quit the internet. <laughs> and he was being so open, which I thought was so cool. And I was like, you know who else is super open and cool? I was like, Ani. And I, yeah. I told him about you and he was like, this girl's awesome. Yeah. It's like a giant circle or like a triangle of sorts. I would be okay to be in this... Triangle. You're in. You're in. I mean, Winston could be in too. Our dog. Can make we just it, talked uh, about it our square. dog for like 20 minutes. So like it's, trapezoid. Well, I think that yeah. would be a square, right? Trapezoid's have four points too. Oh, that's right. Rectangle. Yeah, and I feel like some of the arms would be like a little bit longer than others because like oh, and that works dog, for us. And I'm just, yeah, I'm just all a little wonky. And, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's okay. exactly Jack what I imagine. Yeah. yeah, I'm in. That's perfect. <laughs> so that's how this all came to be. I was like, I'm in love with you. Can I enter your marriage? That didn't actually happen, but it's like what I'm asking now. <laughs> but in a way, it did. We were like, come, come stay with us, like sleep in our basement. We have a guest room. <laughs> I was like, basement get a job here oh i was like gosh. this is gonna be awesome which is kind of gonna happen I mean, pretty cool. you might visit i yeah i'm nodding like vigorously i'm nodding yeah, pretty vigorously. 
We made the top 10 list. The top 10. You made, we made oh, your yeah. 2018 top 10 list. You oh. sure did. Another proud moment of ours for real. Oh. My heart. I know. We're all just like, all of our eyes are kind of welling up. There's a lot. My hands are kind of tingly. (laughs) (laughs) We just have all the feelings. It's nice. Yeah, all the feelings. Always. Oh my God. All the feelings. But I want to hear, okay. I guess what I want to know is about both of your like fiber practices or the way that you engage with fiber and I want to hear from from how you individually found your way there. And I want to hear from Lily first. Okay, me first. Okay, so how I engage with fiber. So uh, m- on a career level, my job has evolved a lot. Like you said, I was a blogger. Uh, then I launched uh, my current business, Eli and Barry, as a jewelry line. And most recently, I reconnected with an old uh, skill of mine I learned when I was a little girl, uh, how to sew. Mm. And so that like ignited a a passion of fury in me. And like, I went insane. And for like six months straight, I was like sewing and sewing and sewing and sewing and sewing. And like, I was like in this like crazy, almost like manic phase. And like, I was like, this is my passion. So then clothing has become my passion and also my job. So I have a clothing line called Eli and Barry. Mm Um, that's really awesome. I really love it. And then also I'm a knitter and that was something that I learned, I think also as a little girl. And then I sort of lost the practice as time and life went on. And then a couple years ago, I think it was when I moved back to Denver with James, I guess that Mm -hmm. would have been three years ago. Mm -hmm. I don't know what it was, but I just was like, I'm going to, I'm going to knit a sweater. And it was a wool in the gang sweater and I knit it up and it was like, I was like, this is incredible. And then I discovered Fancy Tiger Crafts. And I was like, this is in my city. Like, this is here. Mm -hmm. And so that was really what like, brought me to actually sewing and knitting back in like Denver was this sort of mecca of, of crafty goods. So um, that that is, that is my connection with fiber knitting, sewing, fabrics, yarns, etc. I love it. Did someone in particular teach you those skills when you were a kid? Uh, Sewing, I would say, I feel like I remember my mom and I sitting at my kitchen table as a little girl, and we would be sewing these, like, little dolls, like, Mm. kind of just, like, simple, like, fabric cutout dolls. You just, like, cut out, like, a shape of a doll, and then we would fill it with beans. And in fact, oh, my gosh, in, like, fifth grade or, like, third grade or something, we had to, like, start our own businesses in Mm. class. And I like started really? my own. Yeah, it was like this weird tactic. Start your own business. Yeah, it was like, and then like whoever's business was the most popular like got to name the town, and I like made these like bean filled babies, not unlike bean babies. babies. <laughs> Very popular. Uh, some might say uh, I had invented bean babies before bean babies or bean babies. I don't know. Ooh, it's very contentious. Time. Yeah. I also thought that I invented the flip flop trend. There's still a, a there's still a trademark lawsuit pending. Yeah, that's another story. <laughs> so, anyways, so sitting at the kitchen table with my mom, making little little dolls and things like that, and then knitting. I feel like my mom was knitting when I was a little girl. She always talks about the sweater that she made me that had like. She just kept knitting the arms and she just like knitted the arms and knitted and knitted and they ended up being like these like really long, like floppy arms. Um, I don't know what that was about, but I think she taught me, but I've kind of learned through various women in my life. I was a nanny in high school and the mom taught me again. And then I had a great aunt when I was living in Ohio, who's a master knitter and she and I would knit sometimes together. So it kind of has come in and out of my life through different people. But this most recent iteration has really been, I just kind of came back to it and just kind of picked it up again. It really was kind of like riding a bike. I was kind of surprised at how it's like that muscle memory is still there. So yeah, I think that's how I learned to not. Yeah. Lily's mom is extremely talented. She was, she was like a very, very talented calligrapher. Yeah. Also a really talented baker. She made it to the national championships of the pills. What is it? Pillsbury. The Pillsbury Bake Off. -off. Yeah. Yeah. She's an amazing artist too. Yeah. So she's been wanting to reconnect with knitting too because she's not been doing it and weaving since James is yeah. a weaver. 
Um, so we're excited to get her back into that because she's in that stage in her life where she's like, I'd like to take up a, yeah. a handcraft again, which is cool. That's super I would cool. love to share that with her. Yeah, that's really nice. Yeah. My mother taught me to knit when I was a kid, like 10 years old or something. And I've been trying to get her back into knitting or like trying to kind of just be like, mom, we could, you know, go into this yarn store together. And she's like, I understand that this is important to you. I'm going to wait outside. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. She's just interested in it anymore. It makes me sad. But maybe one day, like, I feel like she's not at a life stage yet where she feels like she maybe has like time to devote to it or, or like she wants to get rid of all of her stuff. So she's like, I don't need any yarn. Don't do that. My parents did that a few years ago when they... They sold my childhood home and they moved to a different part of Colorado and they just like got rid of everything. And so I'm not sure that that would have been a time when she wanted to get started because, yeah, they were shedding right. earthly possessions. So it's nice so that it kind of waits for you. Like it's like one of those crafts where like, yeah, you don't have to knit or sew for 20 years. And then one day you might wake up and be like, I'm going to knit something. And then it's just mm. waiting for you. It's kind of a cool mm cool thing you can return to it's like a circle Mm. a constant circle yeah Mm. James Mm. did you learn any fiber things as a kid can you tell us your kind of practice no I was your typical man (laughs) for lack of way of saying it um yeah uh, I my first path was research so I have a PhD in sociology and um was really excited about studying race and gender inequality and that's what I do for a living um I study um the incorporation of minority and women-owned businesses and state contracting and try to help uh, document like discrimination, um, whether it's race, gender, increasingly veteran and disabled and LGBT discrimination as well. Um, So that's, um, I'm actually part of the first LGBT uh, disparity study right now in the state of Pennsylvania, which is kind of, uh, it's kind of a big moment in history for that specific, I mean, the study is just a big deal. So that's kind of cool. but yeah, I mean, it's just kind of interesting. I've always wanted to work with my hands. Um, even when I was um, younger, I was always trying to find like ways of working with hemp, um, but didn't like know how to, like, I don't know why I didn't know just to go to the library and ask someone, but I didn't. Um, this was like prior to the internet. So I would like try to make hemp bracelets, um, like without any, like any guidance at all. And they were pretty bad. <laughs> like it was pretty bad. But like, that was kind of my first foray, but you can kind of still see that in the work I do now. Like I'm still really... I still really gravitate towards hemp. Well, and your um, mom was such an amazing fiber. Oh, yeah. And I was going to get to that. Okay, good. Yeah, I was like, I, I, yeah. my eyes are welling up because I'm just Yeah, no, it's really, it is really emotional. I mean, and, you know, I think so the sociology part. Don't do it. You can cry. No. I, mean, I think it's really important to cry about it. I think it's, it's, it is, it's really important to, because it is a big deal. Um, yeah, but uh, so I was a sociologist, but always, I just wanted to be an artist. And sociology increasingly has become a profession. Um, and less of an art form. Whereas when I was in grad school, it was very much my artistic outlet because I was studying, doing historical, uh, historical, writing historical articles about power and equality, how, um, in a, you know, relations of inequality get created, how they get maintained by, um, justifications, um, stuff like that. And it was really, really fulfilling artistically. Um, but as I transitioned away from academia, cause it's incredibly hard to get an academic job and wanting to live in one specific place, um, I just started uh, finding that I really wanted to, you know, make things with my hands, hands. Um, and I found myself really attracted towards weaving. Um, and that's because of my mom, my mom, one of the things that she always talked about was wanting to weave, um, very specifically in, uh, the Navajo style. Um, I'm part indigenous. So, um, for her, and that was really, really important to her, the way that she saw herself. And, um, she really wanted to learn in that specific um, that specific modality of weaving, um, which has a very rich tradition, rich, rich, very deep spiritual depth. Um, and, and, you know, part of my whole path has been to try to walk that path for her and walk it with her. Um, and she was, I mean, she was a master crocheter. Like she didn't, it's incredible. Yeah. Can I show, I'm going to grab yeah, a blanket grab that one. she made. Oh, I'd love to see that. Yeah. Sometimes I'm like, she made us these just like ginormous crochet blankets where I'm like, yeah. God, this must have taken so long. And just the stitches are so even. So I'm going to grab it. I'll be back. Yeah. yeah. So she would be drafting her own patterns. Um, and I've tried to take her crocheted patterns and create them into our, my family's woven language. It's something I talk a lot about wow. on, my, on my account. Like try to take yeah. the things that the designs that she was using and, and the things that she crocheted and knit for me. And then 
uh, translate them into tapestries um, that I can have surrounding me. Um, and that's a really, that there's a really deep practice to that. Um, one of the big, one of the big things I've learned about, um, traditional weaving, specifically Navajo weaving is, is, you know, speaking a language that's authentic to you and authentic to your worldview. Um, and I certainly, because of my background, don't want, uh, in studying, um, indigenous history and, uh, American Indian history, I don't want to appropriate the symbols of cultures that I'm not a part of. I'm not interested in, um, I'm not interested in recreating Diné designs, uh, which is the, the, the term, the people that Navajo people refer to themselves, uh, the correct term that they, that they call themselves. Um, I'm interested in telling my own story and capturing my own worldview in those tapestries. So yeah, it's kind of a deep practice for me. As you can tell. Yeah. Here I am like, just, whenever he talks about his mom, I just like, yeah. I just lose it. And I think it might be clear, but James lost his mom not too long. Yeah, ago, that's a good so. point. Yeah. So I, yeah, that's, that's what the tears are about. Yeah. I lost my mom, um, now about three years ago. And, um, yeah, it's, it, she was the most important person to me in my life. And it was an extremely profound loss that has taken me on a, a really, um, it's been a really hard road, but it's been a really important one to actually kind of address some of the trauma that I experienced from my parents' divorce as well. Um, you know, they, I mean, it's really, it's really cheesy, right? Like they, they say like, you know, these things happen for a reason, but, um, you know, I think through weaving, I've been able to access, um, you know, I talk a lot about on my account, you know, being able to access darkness and being able to access, you know, uh, feeling. And I think men are trained to not feel things, um, and push things down. Nahira Wahid always has that poem. She says she's seen so many men beat their hearts, um, basically into submission, um, and I, that really resonated with me and, um, I've seen a lot of men do that and I don't really want to do that anymore. So I don't, <laughs> now I can wrap myself in blanket too that which, she made, so. yeah, which yeah. is hard. I mean, it's hard though. Cause like, when you walk on the planet and you haven't really allowed yourself to feel things. It's like, it's like a whole new, uh, it's like a whole new learning process. Yes. Yeah. I feel this is a, co- a topic of conversation that comes up a lot for me. And I think for all, like, especially lately for all of us talking about the ways in which we're actively working to dismantle the patriarchy and the ways in which patriarchy impacts everyone, like men, women, gender, like across the gender spectrum, but how I feel like sometimes there's this resistance among men where they're like, patriarchy, but like, I benefit from that. Why would I like help dismantle that? But there's that the flip side of that, that James is acknowledging, which is Mm -hmm. like, you're stuck in a box. You haven't been given the the emotional tools that oftentimes female socialized people are given or the like freedom of expression to be able to well up and cry or you know like the only valid kind of way of expressing yourself becomes um anger and rage it's not it's not to feel in these other ways that like often femme folks are allowed to feel people who are just like this is super cool like my grandma is into your weaving. Like she like she really likes. She's it. like that James. She's like you've got some like real talent. And well, she's just, yeah. Which is interesting because she is of an older generation. So. Yeah, it's interesting because I think I've chosen the modality that's mo- that's closest to. There's like the most men are the most involved in tapestry weaving. Like that's where mo- like and rug weaving. That's where a lot of the men are in terms of the weaving world. Huh. Um, so it's just kind of interesting to think about that. Like. Yeah. Um, after I started to walk this path, I found a lot of men. Now, those men are not like your typical men, though. I mean, they're very much like, um, yeah, they're just very, they're just very different than that. That sort of, uh, you know, prototypical, you know, male box that you see. Right. Uh, because those people have, especially the people from like the seventies that are still like tapestry weavers that had to like really become the first yeah. people that like bucked that trend. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a really fascinating group of people like there's i think there's five men in my, in the rocky mountain weavers guild yeah five different men which yeah. is kind of cool yeah first 217 so we oh yeah. wow okay yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's we don't have a, we don't have a ton but uh yeah. we're there we're, yeah. we're out there um james did you if i can ask about the chronology of it with in relation to your mother and her passing like were you weaving before this? Was this something that you were doing? Cause I know you said you were kind of like wanting to continue that story for her. 
or with her. Um, but did that happen while she was still alive? No, she, um, I pretty, when she passed away, I went inward for about, uh, two to three years, um, and really had to kind of just go into bunker mode and try to kind of re rebuild myself and get back out into the world. Um, and it was on Lily and I went to Santa Fe for our honeymoon after we got married. Yeah. So that would have been 2000. Well, we went a year after a year after 2013 or 2014. No, 2015, 2015. Yeah. What year did we get married? We got married. (laughs) We got married in 2000, um, 2012. No, we got, wait, that's two years after college. <laughs> we got married. <laughs> wow. We got, this is when you've been together for 10 okay. years. This is, like this is confusing for us. Cause like, yeah, my we, we moved here in 2014 <laughs> in November, 2014. We got married then the August after that, August yeah. of 2015. What year okay. is it? 2018. Yeah. Yeah. And then yeah. on my 30th, on, during my 30th birthday, mm-hmm. um, the around labor day, 2016, a year later, yeah. we went down to Santa Fe. We, we were weaving rugs. We, we rove rag, rag rugs at, um, the Española Valley fiber arts center. Um, and we were just kind of like looking for things to do. Ani, you would love that place. It's like in this, it's in Española, which is, I, I hope this doesn't offend anyone if you're listening from Española, but it feels like kind of a sleepy town, like a little bit of a low key town. And we just loved it. Well, and Northern New Mexico is a, is a pretty <laughs> low key place. Yeah. It's low pretty, key. But it's amazing. Good food. And they have the Española Valley Fiber Arts Center. Easy for me to say. Yeah. So you can just walk in there and, and weave. Like you yeah. literally you walk in and you can, they'll uh, work the loom for you and then you can uh, weave a rag rug. And they have all kinds of cool classes and they have really, what are those ginormous weaves or uh, looms they had that were like. In the back, the ones that you can program. Yeah. They have programmable. Oh, cool. cool. That's so cool. Yeah. But I mean, it's, it it really like sparked. um, I just started weaving and I think a lot of people talk about this. It's similar to what uh, Nathan talked about in in his podcast. Mm -hmm. He loved that. Um, Just, just the sort of, um, just the, the silence and quiet that falls as you start to throw a shuttle through a shed. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's similar to that sort of the, the quiet that comes down as you have two needles clicking together. Right. Um, there's just something that is uh, extremely calming and restorative to that practice. And uh, it just really got me excited about it. But, the, you know, this was like three years after my mom had passed away. And I tried different ways of trying to um, cope with that loss that did not include, um, you know, talking to a therapist and I just found it really hard and weaving became this pathway where I started to actually, you know, be, you know, think about my mom and sit with my mom and sit with my mom's memory and think about how I'm a continuation of my mom. Mm. Um, and it became this, this wonderful unfolding that led me to finally, um, you know, feel comfortable enough as a man to seek help, which is the hardest thing I think for many men to do is to actually allow themselves to be helped. Yes. We don't have to talk about my mom all the time. God, <laughs> I swear, we talk about James's mom a lot, but the second I hear James talking about it with someone else and sort of this like yeah. broad way, it just gets me. I, as Ani can see, I've just been, <laughs> every time he talks about his mom, I'm just crying. Yeah, I was mostly nervous because I knew I was going to be talking about that because it's such an important part of my story no and just because it makes me feel sad doesn't mean it's not worth talking about so yeah Mm. that's i mean gosh there's just so many layers i really appreciate every time that i get to talk to someone new or especially these like two people at a time conversations because there's just so many layers to how things fit together, like how Lily fits into your story, how James fits into Lily's story, how, you know, just the ways, you know, I guess I've been like reconceptualizing too of how I talk about the podcast and like why it exists. And the thing I keep coming back to is like, how we use fiber to process life and world events. And because yeah. it kind of just feels like the theme, right? Of it's not the case for everyone. Some folks have a really different connection to fiber or the way that they run their business or whatever. But oftentimes it just feels like people are, you know, kind of experiencing all of these things in their lives. They're experiencing trauma, they're experiencing grief, yeah. they're experiencing love, and they're experiencing loss and heartache. And um, it, can it just feels like it can be this 
it's all in there. Right. And it's this unfolding in so many different ways of, of like the, um, the way, part of the way that you process your feelings, but part of how you show other people that you care about them. And there's just mm-hmm. so many. And I think, I think something that really stuck out about what James was saying was the talking about your family's like narrative, like your family's language. That's mm-hmm. something that I feel like is super missing from like white Western culture a lot of the time. Yeah. Like we totally. don't really have that storytelling. Can you, James, could you tell me more about, more about that a little bit? Yeah. I mean, I think one of the big, one of my big um, critiques of Western society is this, in, this idea that we are individuals. I mean, I think it, it's, it's really rooted in, in my background in sociology and, and mindfulness is that I just, I don't, I, I've started to see through this idea that I'm this like special individual person that uh, just creates things and they're new and, and novel. It's like, it's, it just seems a little, there's a, there, like you said, there's such a depth to what we do. And I think it short changes the true depth and meaning of what we do. And we, when we don't talk about how we are, we are nothing but a connection to our spiritual ancestors, our familial ancestors, our weaving ancestors, and that shows this deep interconnection that we have to so many different people and so many different things across time and space. Um, and for me, it's like my family story is is really meaningful to me um, now. But, you know, I think for a long time I had a hard time connecting with my family because I am kind of different from them in many ways, especially since my mom passed. So this has been a way for me to try to rekindle that connection as something that's really important to who I am. Right. Right. Gosh, there's just like a lot to unpack here. And I'm also conscious <laughs> that I super want to hear Lily more about Lily's work in this world. Yeah, just you don't want to. Yeah, just please talk to Lily. However it unfolds, you guys, it's all good. There's so many. There's just so many layers. I think I mean, I just want to say thanks for sharing what you've shared so far, James. I um I, I feel like I've I've said to people a lot, like, thank you for sharing that. But it's it's really brave to talk about things that are not often talked about publicly. And and it's it's why I continue to make a podcast is to try to talk to people about things that we're not getting to talk about every day or that like you're not seeing as prominent features of your cute Instagram feed or whatever. You know, like I just feel like there's a bit of responsibility on us here to to do that and it, and I really appreciate when um people use this space that I can provide to to talk to be real and talk about the things that have been going on in their lives so I just I wanted to say thank you for sharing so far yeah absolutely I mean I think it's a big part of my practice I was so inspired by you and Lily and Sarah Newbert to be um who's my weaving teacher to be really, um, to be really honest about what's going on. Mm. You know, I, I think that it's, um, that's just part of my artistic practice. It's, it's weaving, it's writing and it's photography. Mm-hmm. Um, and Instagram is just a great vehicle for being able to share all that. Yeah. Um, and it, yeah, it's just, it's just really important to who I am. And I just, I just, I like talking about it. I mean, you know, it's, it's still hard, but I, I'd like to, this is, it's really important to me. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. When I feel that way about how I engaged with Lily's work as well, was just seeing her be honest about her feelings of insecurity sometimes around being a maker or being a business yes. owner and stuff. And, and I feel like that's been a huge way that I've related to you, Lily. Could you talk to me more about your kind of journey as a business owner and, um, and kind of just how, you know, how you've been sharing your story online and how that's kind of unfolded for you. Yeah, yeah. So um, I've, I've had an internet presence for a while, I would say. Like when I lived in Ohio, I was working for a photographer doing wardrobe styling. And at the same time, I was blogging. And I felt like that was a time, um, I don't know that, I mean, blogging was kind of new in terms of fashion blogging. And I feel like we were all kind of presenting like this really shiny like picture of like, here I am, buy this cute jacket that I bought from Zara. I don't know how it was made. And like, I was totally a part of that. And like, 
you know, and at the same time in that stage of my life, like I was going through some of the hardest stuff I'd ever dealt with. I was like kind of building up to like a stage when I had super debilitating anxiety. I was getting panic attacks. I was developing panic disorder, like on the other side, like I felt like the shell of the human being I once was. And it sort of felt like this, like really strong, like juxtaposition of like, here I am presenting my, my cute fashion blog. And here I am like forgetting how to breathe kind of thing. So over time, once I, there was kind of a, there was an in-between period. I sort of had to learn how to take care of myself and like address my own suffering and like get to a better place. And then it sort of, that, that sort of started to seep into my business a little bit where like, I didn't want to be a part of like this like presentation, which I feel like on Instagram, like no matter what, there's some level of presentation. Cause I feel like identity is a performance like so you know we're always performing in a sense but um I was inspired by you and I saw other people who were like hey like I feel my feelings super deeply and like this is what I went through and like being super vulnerable but also like making it beautiful like creating art from that and like that just like really like illuminated it for me like I was like oh I can do both like I can be I can be sort of a messy version of myself or what feels messy, which I'm Mm -hmm. finding is actually not that messy. It's sort of normal, but I label it as messy. Um, That is something I've learned through like five years of therapy now. I love my therapist. Um, And then I was like, I'm just going to like, I don't always want to talk about like everything, like every second of my suffering. Cause like that sounds tiring, but like, yeah, when I'm like having a hard time being like, here is my shirt that I made. Like, I'm going to be like, here's the shirt I made. And like, hey, anyone else like having heart palpitations or anyone else like, you know, really freaked out about the state of the world? And so um, it was actually a really, really revolutionary process for me. In terms of my business, um, I felt like I connected much more authentically with people. Like when I post about my anxiety, I get like messages, emails, comments likes like people are just like yeah me too and I'm like oh I'm not on Lily Island anymore like sometimes I imagine Mm -hmm. myself like on this little island like it's really small and I'm just like sitting there and like the island's kind of like floating and I'm kind of like buoying around (laughs) and I'm like freaking out and I'm like everyone else is like on a big island and they're like super cool super confident um they have Wilson the the beach ball yeah well maybe I have Wilson I was thinking that you had Wilson too so, and then they're, they are just like confident. Their life is like super linear. This is like obviously a very big, like, um, fantasy world that I've created. So when I, when I share like that, I find that I am like, I'm like, wait, I'm like, I'm back with the people and like I connect and it just sort of helps me move through my anxiety on a spiritual level. And then it just makes me feel really authentically connected with my business too, because like, it turns out the way you clothe yourself is like a super spiritual thing. And like once I started dressing myself and then also making clothes for myself that made my body feel good, like I felt better. Like I was like, I feel good. And like, this is me. And I'm not like subscribing to like what I think I should be wearing. And like, it feels super empowering to me. And I'm like, it, it helps. It helps spiritually. And then it's just like something I want to share with the world. Cause like, I feel like that's part of my, maybe my, my mission in life. If, if there is such a thing uh, of like helping spread the beauty as much as I can, like mm-hmm. the, the beauty spreading, creating beauty. Um, but we mm-hmm. can kind of separate a little bit here. I was like leaning cause James was starting to like lean this way. We're sharing <laughs> headphones, everyone. So we're sort of like close together here. Um, so I don't know that I've gotten really far away from your original question, but no, that was um, really good. Yeah, I, I feel agree. like okay, okay, good, because all of a sudden I was like, I was just talking about being on Lily Island. Yeah. Can I talk? Can I say one thing in relation to that? Yeah, please. I think this is one of the reasons. So, if we're talking about who's influenced me, I think this is one of the big reasons. So, sure, my mom has influenced me, but Lily is now the most important person in my life, and because of what she just said, these sorts of things, she's been the main driver of my 
of me being able to heal. Like she's this, this sort of really embodied awareness of what it means to be a human is incredibly beautiful and inspiring. And I get to, I get to be with this every day. It's pretty awesome. Stop. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, you're just creating like a, a pool of tears. I think like what happened to me today was that I know that Ani is so accepting and like she, she is crying sometimes. And I'm like, so I sometimes when I know someone's accepting, like the emotions just come out and I can't mm. like reel them in. So that time they I they started to come, but I appreciate that very much. And you inspire me too. <laughs> and I, I think Ani is, is starting to well up too. I can't. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's just really so pro- much love. it's just really profound. Yeah. You, know, you just you just sit on the planet sometimes and and, and I just you know, I'm just kinda I sit and I'll be, you know, meditating and I'll just be overcome by the fact that I am this lucky just to be, have a practice, have a, a partner that I've been with for a decade, have a dog. Um, yeah. Gratitude. Gratitude, Gratitude. has been a newfound practice for yeah. me. Um, I think when you're really tied to your anxiety, it's hard to see out of that at all. And so like, now that I'm not totally ruled by anxiety, I'm like, whoa, I'm like, I can see with my eyes and I'm like, that breeze felt fantastic. And I'm like, Winston is soft. And I'm like, husband is warm. Like (laughs) I just feel this like, this like intense, I feel like this intensity sometimes of like gratitude for very small things. Cause I don't, I don't know what your experience is with anxiety. I know all people experience anxiety, but it really takes you out of your ability to like be present and be grateful. So that's kind of been a new a new thing for me in some ways where I'm like, Oh, I can appreciate this as it, as it's occurring in front of me and not just be in my head. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Is if you don't mind talking about anxiety, I just just let it all out there. I'm ready. Cool. Um, how, like, I know that, like we said, people experience forms of anxiety throughout their lives and stuff, but, um, how, was there something like, can you walk me through, because you said kind of it's recent for you that the gratitude practice feels like it's come into play because you've been able yeah. to get out of your head a little yeah. bit and your anxiety. Um, can you talk me through how that's happened recently or like yes, your absolutely. your journey with anxiety, I guess? 100%. So, cool. yeah, I realize that some people absolutely like don't know like what it is like to be not just anxious um sometimes and I'm like yeah I have anxiety like people be like well what are you worried about right and I'm like whoa 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 like you clearly you you're, don't, yeah. you're not understanding this so like when we're talking about like an anxiety just a disorder which is what I would label myself as having or my medical professionals would label me as having. Um, we're talking about like just like kind of a proclivity to just like ruminate and worry. And I can remember being worried about everything from like the time I could think. So like a little, little girl. So this is like something that is within me. Um, it's recently become my friend. For a while, it was like a huge monster in my life um, that felt like was just a mon- like a monster, like it just ran my life. Um, and then, so I was like in my mid twenties, I'm going to be 30 in a couple weeks. So in my mid twenties, like I was saying, it just like reached this like point. It was actually when James's mom got sick or like we got that news and I was like, I literally can't do it. Like I was like, there is no further down for me. Cause I was just so anxious. And then getting that, like that just like sent me over the edge. So I was kind of like, this is the time when one might ask for help. So I was like talking to my mom and like kind of just created a plan where I was like, I'm going to go to my doctor and we're going to talk about medication and I'm going to reconnect. This was the best thing I've ever done, which was reconnect with a therapist that I had seen in high school briefly for anxiety. And she was willing to do phone sessions with me. Um, And then I moved here and I, I see her now every two weeks. So so for me, the path to healing, and I realize that it's different for everybody because I've been messaging with a lot of people who are like, talk therapy doesn't help me, Western medicine doesn't help me, yoga doesn't help me. For me, um, I'm super responsive to um, cognitive behavioral therapy, which basically just like addresses 
the way you think and like helps you sort of get out of those um, ruminations for lack of a better way of describing it. Um, I respond really well, well to that. So um, I sat down with her that first time actually when I was in town and she was like, okay, let's talk about everything that you're worried about. And I just like laid it all out there. Cause at the time I was having all kinds of physical symptoms. So I thought I was like, had something really wrong with me. I thought I had MS. I thought I had all, all these things. And she just like debunked all of my myths that were just like torturing me. And then an hour I was like, like, okay, I'm not crazy. And then obviously it took years and years of continual therapy. So for me, it's like a really hard, uh, putting in a lot of work of like, Therapy, lots of yoga, which has helped me like learn how to actually be present. And like, I realized I didn't know how to breathe before. Like, I was breathing really shallow, and like that was causing me some really intense vertigo for a while. I felt like I couldn't walk because it felt like the floor was dropping, and it had something to do with how I was taking these really shallow breaths. I was hyperventilating, I think, pretty much all the time. Um, so I learned how to breathe, and like that really changed my life. Um, but it's just about kind of, I guess, experimenting with um, what works for you. For me, Western medicine, um, I really hated going on it because I have a stigma attached to it where I'm like, why can't I just pull myself up from by the bootstraps and just like stop worrying? Well, like we might be talking about someone who has heart disease. Would you tell them to like pull themselves up by the bootstraps? Like, no, you'd be like, yeah, take some medication for it. Like, let's get that heart right. You know, so for me, if we're talking about chemical imbalances I'm like okay like this makes me feel loads better if I'm on my my medicine um can I let myself do that can I let myself be happy um so it's just a combination of those for me and gosh it's I can't believe I'm actually talking about the medicine part because that that was a hard one for me because I just always felt like it was a failure to have to take medicine or to have to go to therapy those things literally like brought me back to life. So, um, they, they, I can't be ashamed of them. They, they just, they keep me going. And I can tell you now today, even with days and weeks when anxiety is worse for me, like I didn't know I could feel this way. Mm. Like I didn't know life could be this good. And that sounds cheesy, but, um, it's just gotten a lot better for me, which is super, super fantastic because it was not good for a while. <laughs> yeah. And I think the, you mentioning the, like letting yourself feel happy and feel okay. Like there's this, mm-hmm. there's so much, when you're used to feeling anxious all the time, like yeah. it's really confronting to be like, wait, what, wait, what's gonna, yeah. what's about, to, I, <laughs> to be really honest lately, this, the last like few weeks of being in America, I'm like, everything feels pretty good. I haven't had like any, any major, um, any major anxiety. Like I feel anxiety really deeply, uh, in a bodily sense. So I get like really bad stomach aches and, Mm -hmm. um, like nausea and, and like the breathing, I have trouble with breathing as well. Yeah. And I haven't really felt any of that. And usually like I, (laughs) I like will cry a lot and, and there'll just be like tons of bodily responses and none none of that's happening for me. And I keep having this like looming sense that like, when is something really bad going to happen? Yeah. (laughs) You know, does that, I don't know if you relate to that because it kind of sounds like, you know, when you are, when you're feeling fine and like things feel really good, then there's this like looming sense that like, oh, but I know things can feel really bad or like, you know, yeah, oh, I've, definitely. right. Like, do you, I don't yeah. know, not to put like yeah, I, words in your I mouth. I relate to that. I mean, I relate to it in all kinds of ways too, but that's a whole different story where I'm like, when is something really terrible going to happen? Like, so that's like a different thing. That's kind of just like, when is, you know, when's life going to catch up to me? Like things are going well. When's it going to change? Um, but yeah, anxiety hits at really like funny times. I almost feel like sometimes it, it, not that it's ever convenient, but sometimes you feel it when you sort of can feel it. Like we, we humans are kind of remarkable sometimes like at um, being able to compartmentalize and, and sort of feel things when you can, although that's not always the case with anxiety. It's not like mm. I'm like, 
I'm ready today. Like, let it out, you know, here but comes. I think, here goes. <laughs> yeah. But like, yeah, I think for you, I'm sure it's like moving across the country. That's such a huge change. So that's always just like stressful. And I'm sure it comes with all kinds of emotions, which I'm sure you'll feel over the course of time. Right. I know. And I feel like I have to remind myself of that too, which I imagine both you and James might relate to, which is like the that this is very nonlinear, like, I might feel really good today, but tomorrow I might really miss Hobart or like, you know, just all of these. It is super nonlinear. That's like another myth. You're like, when you're feeling grief, you're like, it's really bad at first. And then it gets like slightly better. And then Mm. one day you're like, bing, like I'm perfect, but it's actually like really up and down. It's like, sometimes you're like, I'm good. And then it's like, oh, I'm really sad. And then like, it's just really interesting. Like, the process of grief, like those stages, yeah. sometimes they're like super out of order too, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. like just you never know what you're going to get. But. I mean, I, I will commend you for feeling those things. Um, I was a plower for a really long time. So like I finished a PhD, like I finished my dissertation while my mom was sick, um, passed away, well, continued on. Um, and then in the grieving period after that, and that's a really terrible way to, <laughs> to address those things. Uh, like I taught the, I taught a class the day after my mom passed away. Like that's how, that's how disconnected I was from that process and, and how much I was trying to just like keep moving. Yeah. And that, I mean, that's just one way that people try to, you know, respond to it. Just, unfortunately, it just doesn't, that doesn't really work. It just prolongs the period into, you know, that's why people go their entire lives without actually having addressed the trauma that they've experienced. Yeah. So, I mean, I would, that's a long way of saying, I would just commend you for feeling those things. And yeah, it seems like you have more allowance than some people. That's like one of my words for 2018. I'm like, yeah. the Allow, like just allowing it, um, accepting it, allowing the ebb and flow and just kind of being at peace with it. That is not something that comes easily to me. And I don't know, you can tell me if it comes easily for you, but you seem to just allow, allow yourself and allow others to, to feel those things. And that's like super amazing. Thanks. It's, (laughs) this is my like constant question. This is my like life's question, I think about being a deeply feeling person and, feeling um really moved by everything to a point of you know like not really feeling like I can get things done sometimes when um when I'm feeling certain ways and I like I watched the film call me by your name last night and there's a a part of it where the dad is talking to the son about love and he kind of says something about like you have something really beautiful with this person and and I know you're like feeling the heartbreak of it right now but you have to like allow yourself that feeling like the fact that you're capable of feeling that and I just was sobbing in the movie theater because Mm -hmm. I had it was this twofold thing of like I yes yes and especially a father saying that to a son just made me feel so so glad um but also just this flip side of it which is me recognizing in myself like I, I, you know, no, once you sit in those feelings, like those feelings can be horrible. Like I get why people continue to plow and work and cope with other things like Mm -hmm. distractions because those, those feelings are remarkably uncomfortable, but I, I think it's hard as well because our society doesn't really have a lot of, um, there's not a lot of like toolboxes for this in within our communities, like within our wider communities. Like you really have to personally do that work. Um, Absolutely. And it just remi- it reminds me a lot of um, a show. Hannah Gadsby is a comedian in Australia, but she recently quit comedy because she was talking about the way in which as a comedian, you have to hold so much of your own personal trauma and then use it as fodder for making people laugh and just how difficult that is. And something that a friend of mine articulated really well when he went to watch her her like last show, he talked about the kind of um, purpose of it being or like the message kind of being that there are no collective spaces for healing our trauma 
And like, I kind of felt like when, when James was mentioning that he continued to teach and like, you know, it's like, there's not, we don't really have things set up where it's like people, there was nothing set up in your life around you. The school wasn't like, oh, I understand that you're going to be going through something really, really hard right now. Um, So please, like, please take you know, this amount of time, time or, yeah. you know, whatever, it, whatever it may be, yeah, there's like not support. Right. Thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it's not, we're generally speaking, our work system and like even our communities are not really set up, I don't think, for holding, holding that, for holding space for that. Absolutely. And I feel like with my first job out of college, I had to really put on like a show of being professional. And to me, that meant don't show them like they would, you know, you wouldn't want a client, like that's someone that you're working with to know, like, hey, inside, I'm kind of freaking out. But on the outside, I am super cool. Like, so it's you're absolutely right. It's just this system that um, really doesn't serve us, especially, I mean, I think probably our whole lives, but I feel like in your 20s and 30s, there's a a lot of growth that's happening and there's a lot of doors we're walking through. Like some people are selecting a partner if that's their choice and some people are deciding, you know, what they want to do with their lives. And so it's, there's so much heaviness to that. And I don't feel like we allow ourselves the conversation and the ability to to be like, yeah, this is really hard, and I'm freaking lost, and I, I'm, I'm terrified. Like, it's happening more. I mean, I think that people like you, you're creating that space, um, but it's definitely not widespread. I would say you have to advocate for yourself in the system. The system won't advocate for you. I think yeah. that's the short of it. Which I have to step out for a second. Which is. Um, which I think is the big thing that for, that one of the big reasons I became a sociologist is because I just saw. Growing up in Toledo, Ohio, um, having most of my family on my mom's side work for a major automotive company on the line. Um, yeah, like they, you know, they were given this certain quality of life that most Americans don't have now because of the union contract that was um, fought for by generations of past auto workers who stopped working until they were actually treated humanely. Um, and I think a lot of the, the, there's two sides to it in America. I think the first side of it is, is that, and I've had to do a lot of introspection on this is like, you have to try to find a way to get out of your own way in terms of these sorts of narratives you say to yourself on being perfect, um, and being the best, um, you know, that weird sort of way that America is number one and how that seeps into individual consciousness is very, it's really, it's really harmful. Um, and I've had to do a lot of work, uh, especially with my mindfulness practice around just like letting go of being the best. It's like, it's not about, it's, it's not about being the best. It's, it's just about walking your path. Um, and that's kind of the metaphor that I try to use for it. But like the system just, you know, it really doesn't, it really doesn't allow people the space to heal because they, a lot of, I mean, and it's not, it's not this like black and white. It's a, there's a lot of gray in there, but it certainly can feel sometimes like the way that the economy works is to get productive use out of people. And then, you know, and if they can't, if they can't handle it, then you need to move on. Right. Right. Rather than, rather than let's try to, you know, let, let's try to, to help you, you know, be the best human, you know, to be the, you know, the most fulfilled, um, healthy version of yourself. Um, yeah, I mean, America, America has some, has some issues, unfortunately, but I mean, that's what I've heard about us, but what country doesn't? <laughs> no, you're right. You're totally right. And I think it is, yeah, it's systemic. It's, it's, it's a symptom of the fact that we exist within capitalism to an extent, but also yeah, like the right. way in which capitalism has been interpreted in America. But I think, I mean, yeah, I guess all I can all I can think at this point is like the way I love that folks are engaging in these conversations, but also um, in changing how we work, how and when we work and what that work looks like and like running our own businesses and things to kind of see how it is that 
you know, like, yeah, productivity to an extent is, is important. Like economic productivity is just, is just a reality, but how do you kind of fit into then, you know, making that work for yourself and staying healthy and, and with more longevity in mind, I guess, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's a really important point. There's just so much wealth that is available to us. It, 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 it hurts my heart every day I ride my bike downtown and I see people living in tent towns um, in downtown Denver. Um, it's, it just doesn't have to be this way, you know, and, and, and all of us that, that do have roofs over our head, we, we're all victims of that too in, in our own ways, in the ways that it kind of shortchanges our ability to have the time to fulfill our full creative functions. Um, we're not just our jobs. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Absolutely. You know, which is a big part of like my whole reason why I even started weaving and sharing my weaving is that there was this part of me that I wanted to share with the world that I wasn't getting to share. Right. Right. Um, can I ask you both just a quick final question? Because otherwise, I mean, we're going to talk forever. Like we could talk. Yeah, for four I think hours. you might have asked us one question from the list. So I'm really sorry. That <laughs> no, we it's took perfect. It on all kinds of. Ca- okay, that's exactly what okay. I want. I give the questions okay, so yeah. that we have something to go back to like if there's framework. like dead air, okay. and if and yeah. as well if like people need mm-hmm. a little bit of guy of like you know gotcha. just just something there. But we I guess love to talk. We have no problem talking. <laughs> as you can tell. I feel like we could easily do a follow up episode at some point. But um, we're in and we're super comfortable now. I was like a little squirrely at first. Like I said, I had to dance for like 10 minutes to like get my willies out. And now I'm like, I'm good. Maybe when I come visit you all in Denver, then I yes, (laughs) we can do one. We can record part two. (laughs) Um, But I do. I really want to know what you both are working on right now that like you're excited about working on. Ooh, yeah. Okay, so for me and my business, I am in a new phase because I recently was able to bring on some help. Um, I was starting to have a hard time balancing um, all the aspects of my business because it was literally just me. So I have someone locally who's working on my online orders for me. Her name is Amanda. She is awesome. So that's allowed me a lot of space to kind of come up with some new things for my business. So I'm actually starting on what I want to be offering for spring and summer. So I have like my sketchbook out and I'm just kind of coming up with ideas and it just feels like I have a lot more space for that. Um, so I'm really excited to see what, what's coming. I don't really know exactly what all of it is, but new styles for, for warm weather for Eli and Barry. Um, and then for knitting, I just cast on, which we have talked about on Instagram, a Klein sweater, Ooh. which I am super excited about. Yeah. I feel like so Instagram is like the best place to just like search a sweater hashtag and just see all of the beautiful yeah. options. So I'm making, this is also, I think in true Ani form, it's going to be cropped. So I've cut some length out of the body. So I'm going to see how that works out. Yes. And so I'll let you know, but okay. that is what I'm excited about knitting wise. Oh, and are you going to say what you're excited about? And am I just going to ruin it? No, you can say it. Fiber camp. Fiber James and I are going to fiber camp. Did we tell you this? Um, you said you wanted to come, I think. Yeah, you're coming, right? Oh my right? god! Wait, can you tell okay. me? Can you tell me again about it? Clearly, yeah. I've, yeah. James will have to, to remind me what the farm is called. Small Acre Farm. Small Teddy Acre Farm. Her name is Teddy Jensen. That's their Instagram handle too. Small Acre Farm. Small Acre Farm. Okay. Um, in Fort Collins, Colorado, and they're hosting a bunch of adult campers for five days and we'll learn about sharing yeah we'll go all the way so yeah around that time is around that time is the shearing season Uh so there's going to be a bunch of fleeces that um we're going to take from fleece all the way through weaving yeah and we're going to natural dye spin so we we are real excited about that that's uh in may so may. if oh my gosh others, okay yeah this might be doable yeah, other fiber people <laughs> yeah want to come come yeah. to Fort collins um it's going to be a rocking good time so oh look God. that up yeah one of my friends emma uh, who was actually a research assistant with me at ohio state mm-hmm. when i was in my phd program now lives here and is a weaver wow she, she yeah uh, she's gonna she's gonna try to get a scholarship from 
my guild, the Rocky Mountain Weavers Guild, to go. So that's what's one of the cool things about guilds. So oh. that's how I always like to throw shout outs to people. Guilds are like these ama- for fiber people. Like they're yes. these amazing resources that can unlock your hopes and dreams. Like this woman at our last meeting talked about getting a grant to go up to the master's spinner program at Olds College in Canada. And she presented all the stuff that she learned. It was crazy. Oh my gosh. Okay. Guilds. I'm looking at my local guilds. I heard someone talking about one that was nearby recently. And I was like, I got to go, I got to go find those guys. I'm going to hang out with them. Yeah. And I got really, I got really turned on to that because of Natalie Novak combed thunder on Instagram. When I took her Southwest weaving class at the weaving kind Makery retreat in October. Uh-huh. She talked a lot about how community in the Damascus Fiber Art School was so important to her development, and it really got me turned on to this idea of really being engaged in my local fiber community and really being connected to the people that are knitting, weaving, spinning, um, just in the like the fifty square miles around me. Cool. Oh my gosh. Yes. Okay. Fiber Camp May twenty eighteen. Yeah. See you there. James and I are both going. We could all be friends. We're going. We've already booked our accommodations. Booked our accommodations. There's like a youth hostel there too. $27 a night. There's a way that, yeah, you can stay quite quite affordably. It's it's a nice hostel too. Yeah. And they provide, I think with the fee for the camp, they provide breakfast Breakfast and and lunch. lunch. So um, there's ways to make it, you know, affordable. But Fort Collins is pretty cool too. It's worth, worth a visit. Yeah. It's a really cool place. Cool. Okay. All right. What am I looking forward to? Is that the next Besides question? Besides Fiber Camp. Yeah. Yeah. Us. We have a countdown on. It's been kind of annoying. I think we're, I think we don't annoy ourselves with it, but I'm sure like we joked about putting it on our Instagram stories every day. Yeah. Like, that would be oh, there's only three, 237 days and 14 hours until Fiber Camp. <laughs> we decided not to do that countdown. Um, I'm here for it. We'll just text you Perfect. Every, the count. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. All right. So I'm really jazzed. Up. So I'm writing a submission for Roving Magazine. Whoa. Um, right. So I, I don't know. I probably, who knows if I'll be selected or not. It's an open submission thing. Cool. Um, and the theme for this month is connection. So if you guys haven't heard of Roving Mag, that's their Instagram handle. They're really great. It's a really cool new publication that's trying to get, um, have the sort of conversations in written form that we're having right now. Um, talking about like the, the deeper side of of um, fiber art and the sort of connections that you know we can build. Um, if you don't, uh, the, the submission date's February 1st. There's another submission open period that starts right after it for the second theme, which is Roots, too. So um, whenever this gets posted, um, yeah, and it's, it's, it's just a really, really, it looks like a really cool project. I'm really excited about writing something. It's been hard, though. I always have a hard time writing about my darkness as I have to have a, take a big deep breath. Cause it's a lot of, I'm talking a lot about what we've talked about in no. this. So it's just, it's interesting how much, even no matter how much you talk about it, like um, it's still, you know, difficult. It's still difficult. And writing about it is also, it can be very cathartic yeah. in that way. Yeah. Um, I, I'm getting my Navajo spindle today. Cool. Um, which is really fun. So I'm going um, to, we're going to go to fancy tiger. I ordered it through them. I got a shacked uh, spindle company, which is another company that's in, Boulder who sells spindles and uh, spinning wheels and, and stuff like that and looms and I buy all my drop spindles from them. I'm a big uh, I'm a big hand spinner with um, supported and, and drop spindles and uh, I got 80 pounds or excuse me, not 80 pounds 80 ounces <laughs> 80 ounces of Navajo churro roving which oh, is my wow. my fiber of choice and uh, I'm trying to move all the way towards spinning all of my um, spinning all of my yarn. Um, for my tapestry weaving, which, but in the meantime, I mean, weaving Southwest is great. Like they have amazing natural colored, um, churro yarn, which I post about prolifically because I just love them so much. They're amazing people. Um, and I have this series of weavings I'm going to be doing about my, uh, therapeutic process that I, that I'm going to start doing. I posted about it today and, um, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's, it's really important. I've, I've kind of moved, I'm trying to move away from, um, really detailed, um, weaving work and tapestry work, which is really time consuming to really just, um, do blocks of stripes of dark and light, um, and have that be really, uh, really tied to how I'm feeling, um, and really have it be this sort of, um, embracing of my different shades of, of darkness and lightness. Wow. um, Oh yeah. That's what I'm working on. Wow. Then Lily and I eat food and then we go on walks and then um, we go to sleep and then we rinse and repeat. 
So that's true. amazing. That pretty yeah. much sums it up. High five. <sighs> Perfect. We just had yeah. good high five. I wish I could get in on that high five. Yeah. Three way high five. Um, that's amazing. Um, I wanted to just say thanks for chatting with me. And like, obviously we could talk for, uh, literal hours. Like it's good that you're wrapping us up because it could go on and on. It's only because like my computer's dying and I really have to pee, but (laughs) 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 you're hydrating and all that's that's a problem. Right. I know this is a thing I have at all my jobs and everything. I'm always like yeah, well like, hydrated. I'm like, I got to pee yeah. constantly. Yeah. No, I have the same thing. <laughs> Thank always. you. Thank you so much. I'm so glad I got to actually. That was so much fun. Yeah. It was like, it was like everything I imagined it would be and yeah. more. Like you are who you present on the internet. So that is really good news. You know, it could have been like a big shit. Where you're just like, where you're just like, where you're just like, I hate you or something like that. I don't know. I catfished you hard. You've just listened to episode 36 of the Close Knit Podcast. If you're enjoying the podcast, please consider leaving a review and rating on iTunes and supporting the podcast for as little as $1 a month on Patreon. Patrons get access to additional content and sneak peeks at upcoming month's podcasts. Thank you so much for tuning in. Till next time.